What's up, everybody? Welcome, Welcome back. back to episode four of the Mile Higher podcast, where we take shit a mile higher. Hell yeah, we do. And today we are shaking it up on you guys. We originally said we were going to do the simulation, simulation, <laughs> simulation, simulation theory today. Yes, but we changed our minds. But we changed our minds. And we changed our minds because so many of you are commenting that like as much as you love aliens and trippy topics, they you guys want to see some other types of videos that or some other types of topics that I talk about on my channel, which is obviously true crime. All my subscribers love the true crime stuff. So we decided to do a true crime episode this week. And then next week you can look forward to um, the simulation theory. So, yes, we're very excited. This is our first true crime episode. Yes. And you're the specialist on this. So yes. I don't do true crime <laughs> stuff. I mean, I know I know somewhat. You know, I have a pretty good idea about true crime. I really do like watching, you know, crime yeah. shows on TV. Well, and... being married to me, you'd have to see it all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's exciting because today I'm leading the podcast. Normally, Josh leads the podcast or not normally, but so far he has because they've been topics that he's more expert well first in yes yes but we're here we wanted to thank you guys all for the positive reviews you've been leaving on the podcast absolutely thank you guys so much i think there were over i think like 350 reviews on itunes already oh my god you guys thank five you five stars Seriously. baby that means a lot yes it's hard to get it going in the beginning you know it's so new <laughs> absolutely and and just thank you to all those that have reviewed and if you haven't if you've got a minute or two, just leave a or uh, leave a review, rating, whatever, on the platform that you guys are listening to the podcast on, because it just helps our podcast get seen and just uh, helps bring more listeners to it. So, um, yes, go do that if you if you uh, have a minute or two. But thanks to all those who have already done it. Yes, for sure. And um, let's see what else. Oh, what else? Josh got us a lava lamp for the podcast. Pretty cool. <laughs> mile higher lava lamp. Yeah, mile higher colors too. So. I know. I can't wait for it to start. It's it's brand new, so it takes a while to heat up. But eventually it always takes it'll, a while to heat up. Actually, it'll start moving up and down. These are hot as shit, man. I used to touch them as a kid because your parents. Anything you my parents said not to do, I always wanted to try. Like stick your fingers in the fan or like touch flame. You were that kid. I was. I, I was ADHD. cautious, and I I always knew the consequences of my actions. No, I always learned the consequences after. <laughs> So, yeah. Anyway, um, is that it for our intro here? Three I'm trying to think intro? anything else, yeah. <laughs> what else we got to say? Monk. We could just mention Monk real fast. I actually will because they are now offering a really good deal. And I thought I would mention it because so many of you guys in the last podcast in the comments were saying you wanted to try it out. So they are currently offering these three. If you're watching the podcast, they're offering a happy, a zen, and a sexy, which tastes... Try this sexy. I know you've tried it before, though. It tastes like Skittles to me. Oh, I love that one. It smells so good. Ooh, bomb. baby, I feel sexy. It gets the vanilla. Mm, it's that so is good. good. I know. So they are offering all three of those for 55 and it also includes a leather pouch and a beanie. Dope. And if I you use the code Kendall Jan, as in January... You get another 10% off of that, which takes it to like 49 or something in free shipping. Hells yeah. So hell yeah. That's going to be linked below. You can also use the code KendallFeb next month if you decide to do this next month. Because I think this will probably go until like Valentine's Day, I'm assuming. Sick. I'm going to yeah. check that out. All right. Four minutes in and we're ready <laughs> to go ahead and get into it. And you know All what right. we should because there's a lot to go There's over. a lot to cover in this case. The John JonBenet Ramsey case. 
and the death of this poor little girl. Yeah. Still unsolved. Still unsolved. And this happened a long time ago. You and I were young and it happened right here in Colorado, actually, in Boulder, Colorado, which is a beautiful and pretty high end area of Colorado, too. Yeah. in a hippie area of Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It has kind of known as a hippie college town. But it's also known as a really wealthy area. Yeah. Well, because there's a lot of, you know, big companies that are Google's there now and stuff. Yes. Yep. It's basically if for those that have never been to Colorado, it's it's northwest of Denver. Yeah. About half hour outside of Denver. Further into the beautiful place. Used to work there actually. Yeah. It's a gorgeous place. Um. But yeah. So a lot of wealthy families live there, and um, John Benet Ramsey's family was very wealthy. Her father worked for Axis Graphics. Axis Graphics. It's older company, I think. So. I wonder if it's still around. I don't know. You could Hmm. Google it. I'm sure it is. Um, anyway, they were really wealthy. They lived in a super nice house in Boulder too. And for those of you who've never heard about this case, I'm going to go through everything like bit by bit because Josh hasn't heard it in a while. And I thought that's a good kind of format for this podcast is someone who like, you know, cause yeah, you'll have familiar, like questions I, as we go, you know, it'll right. be more interesting Absolutely. that way. Cause sometimes I forget, like I've, n- I know so much about it now that I forget to like address things that people may not know, you know? So, right, right. It's nice to have you here. So where do we begin with John Benet Ramsey? Oh boy. So I've done a video on this case before, but it's been over a year now. Um, so I'm excited to talk about it again because it's this happened in 1996, and this is still in headlines almost every time I go to the damn grocery store. I see John Benet Ramsey killer found, John Benet Ramsey murder solved, and no. It's not solved. No one's been found. This case is far from being solved. It's just like, oh, someone presented a new theory. So those magazines are BS. I can't tell you how many times people oh, tweet yeah. me those magazine covers <laughs> and are like, dude, people look, like, they solved it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. So fake news. Pretty much. Yeah. Fake, fake news, news. For real. All right. So let's begin. So where does the story begin? We're going to start really early, actually. Okay. November of 91 when they first moved to Boulder and then in 93 June of 93 Patsy Ramsey got diagnosed with breast cancer interesting so who are the parents I'm assuming Patsy's the mom yes sorry John Ramsey and Patsy Ramsey are the parents right yes and they have a son named Burke Ramsey right and then they have a daughter named John Benet Ramsey and she's actually named after the father you know John Bennett uh, his name is John Bennett Ramsey. Interesting. So they combined his names to create John Bennett, huh? Yeah. Because yep. it sounds like a French name. Yeah. They just like kind of made up their own French name out of his Interesting. name. Yeah. It's huh. kind of weird. <laughs> um, John Bennett. So, yeah. So Burke in 1994, Burke has a little bit of an anger problem, but we've never, this has always been kind of hushed by the family. So it's, it's kind of like we get bits and pieces all the time. But in 1994, Burke hit John Bonet with a golf club on the cheek. So this was the first time we know him to be very violent with her. And I mean, 94. So this was when she was about four years old. Right. Um, so he, he had uh, somewhat erratic behavior. Yes. As a child. Yep. Which you'll need to consider later on, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess this isn't super important, but it's interesting to know. In 1994, they had this historic home holiday tour. And the Ramsey's house was included among seven other houses in this ho- holiday tour. And 
there was anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 guests that walked through the house. So it was like kind of like a neighborhood of lights kind of thing where oh, yeah. people, or I guess they went into the houses because they decorated yeah. it. Because yeah. these guys had a huge house, right? They had yeah. a pretty big house in Boulder. like Yeah, a really big house. Really nice, old, like, historic house. like Basically a mansion. Like, yeah. But not really a mansion. Yeah. There were so many rooms. There's like a wine cellar in the basement. That's, yeah. Right. So um, anyway, that was two years before this happened, though. It's just interesting to note that that many people went through the house at one point. So Jean Bonnet, she is big into beauty pageants, right? Well, her mom was a beauty pageant queen. So I don't know if she ever made it as far as she wanted to, but she obviously automatically put John Bonet in it. I'm sure John Bonet wasn't like, hey, I want to be a pageant queen. I mean, I guess she could have, but she was really young when she started. I don't even think she would have like been able to ask to do it, you know? Okay, so let's skip to 1996, December of 1996. Let's just look at the month for this family. So in December 1996 on... December 6th, they had the Lights of December Parade. So not the Denver Parade of Lights, but in Boulder. And John Bonet was in her own Little Miss Colorado float during the parade. So it's important to note because there's a lot of people who believe John Bonet was, I mean, she was really pretty for a six-year-old. And there was a lot of, there's a lot of creepy men out there that like follow these beauty pageants. So it's just interesting to note all the public appearances she made before in, in the month leading to her disappearance um so burke was in that parade too i don't know why on december 13th they had a church party in their house um it was attended by more than 150 friends from church on december 17th they had the colorado's little miss pageant and she won the pageant and she won a santa bear (laughs) i don't know what that means um Okay, so then let's see here. So yeah, this Access Graphics company on December 20th, there was a big luncheon party to celebrate $1 billion. So yeah. So John Ramsey had obviously a very successful company. Yes. He was, they were very rich. And this, I think he was quite a, a bit money. older than her too. Like they, I think, yeah, pretty sure. Um, it doesn't matter though. Oh, so then she did another beauty pageant in the Southwest Plaza Mall. She's probably been there. Yep. I've been there. Huh. Um, They had another Christmas party on the 23rd. So this is, you know, leading up to Christmas. Days leading up to her death, by the way. Yeah. Well, nice spoil alert there. (laughs) I think people know that. Like, everyone knows Yeah, I think it's common knowledge. Um, But anyway, so they hosted this Christmas party and they had approximately 30 guests and there was a man and he was actually a family friend and he was a journalism professor and his name was Bill McReynolds. And he actually played Santa Claus not only in 1996 for this party, but also in 1995. He was the Santa and he had this like weird obsession with John Bonet, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, December 23rd, there was a mistaken 911 call. This is just random, but it's interesting to note. At 6.47 p.m., someone attended the party and placed a 911 call, which was answered by the police. The caller hung up without saying anything. The police called back only to get the Ramsey's answering machine. So it was just basically (coughs) a mistake call. Yeah, and so they they went there and then they found out there was no emergency and they left. Gotcha. 
So the police were there on the 23rd, though. Yes. And then on the 24th, so Christmas Eve, she was playing at her friend Megan's house, and she told Megan's mom about a secret visit from Santa. Secret visit from Santa? Yeah. Where? I don't know. <laughs> but That's weird. But keep in mind, that Christmas party was the day before. Ah. Uh. Hmm. With Bill McReynolds as the Ooh, Santa. I'm already, I'm already having some bad vibes about that. Yeah, I know. That's weird. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. This Ramsey's, is Christmas Eve too, yes, right? Yes. Yep. And then that night they went to the twilight service at St. John's Episcopal Church in Boulder. Did I say that right? Yes. Episcopal. Um. And then at 9 p.m. that night, John Ramsey retrieved a brand new Silver Girls bike that was stored in the neighbor's yard or garage, John Barnhill's garage, and put it under the Christmas tree for John Bonet. Oh. Uh, December 25th. 1996. 1996. On the night of the 25th, the Ramseys attended a Christmas party. So we don't really know what they did that much during the day. I mean, there is, but like, it's not of importance right because everything happens that night right christmas evening is when things start happening yes so they attended this family dinner um at the home of their friend their close friends fleet and priscilla white and they're really important in this story so five or six p.m they had this white christmas party and the ramses left for the party around yeah i guess like five or six um, nothing out of the ordinary quarter, uh, sorry, <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary occurred ordinary. at this party and the Ramsey family appeared to be happy on the drive home from the party. John Bonet and her brother Burke fell asleep in the car. So normal shit. This is just a normal yeah. family Christmas, get yeah. together, mm-hmm. headed home. Kids are tired. Go to bed. Yep. Enjoyed the, ti- the enjoyed the day. Nothing crazy happening. Yep. They only made one stop on the way home to drop gifts off at Stort and Roxy Walkers and then Glenn and Susan Stein's house on the way home. So what time do they get home? We're not really sure. We're not completely sure. Um, That's kind of where we're missing it. Uh, They eventually went home. As far as we know, John put John Bonet to bed, carried her right in from the car. She was like asleep and he just brought her right upstairs. Um, Burke was nine years old at the time. She was six years old at the time. So she was actually last seen alive in a room at 10 p.m., according to them, in her bed. Let's see. She, yeah. Okay, so then Patsy, she doesn't know exactly when she went to bed. She says between 10 and 10.30, which you can drill someone for not knowing something like that. But then at the end of the day, it's kind of like, do you know I, exactly when you go to bed? I have no fucking idea. No, absolutely <laughs> not. I couldn't even like give you a like yeah, time record of what I did today. Could be 11, 10, 12. I'd have to guesstimate, I think so. <laughs> yeah. So she said that she went to bed probably around 10 or 10.30. Um see so it's important to note that JonBenet Ramsey had a bedwetting problem uh she had this issue for quite a while sorry <laughs> trying to get my mic right here so it was pretty much a nightly occurrence that she had wet the bed which is actually really common at that age and it's actually a sign I was reading it today it's actually a sign of constipation like it's like not a good thing when your kid's wetting the bed all the time because so much of it is an accident but if it's happening all the time 
it's like not it's huh goes undiagnosed a lot i thought huh. that was interesting but anyway patsy really was struggling with john benet's bed bedwetting was like super frustrated so a lot of people think that maybe she wet the bed that night and patsy got mad at her gotcha um so john said that he went to bed around 10 or 10 30 like 15 minutes later than her and this is according to patsy right yeah According to the family, this is just like police report stuff. And so this may not be true. That's the thing. It's like, this is what they told us happened right. that night. Um, I'm just going from like the police. Um, so the family had a vacation plan for the next day. They had a flight to Michigan. And before 6 a.m., the police have it marked down that a neighbor saw lights on at the Ramsey's house at midnight. Scott Gibbons. He so looked there was out activity um, early... Uh, the 26th, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, someone was up. The upper kitchen lights were on and dimmed low. At 1 a.m., neighbors Adam Vermeer. Vermeer. Yeah, Adam and Luke went to bed after watching movies late in the evening, and they did not notice or hear anything unusual. 2 a.m., neighbors heard a scream. This was neighbor Melody Stanton. She thinks the scream was around between midnight and 2 a.m., I never understand if you hear like a scream in the middle of the night. Like, why don't you call the police? You wouldn't want to. Well, no, because like you don't because just because somebody screams doesn't mean there's a crime occurring. Yeah, but like it why could would you, be. But why would you call? You would call the police on somebody for screaming. That's ridiculous. I would call and, and say it or I would call over to the house. If I heard a, a high pitched scream at like midnight or two in the morning on christmas i probably somebody could have just gotten scared though i know that like, they could have but like this is how the bystander effect happens as people are too afraid to say anything because they think they could be wrong imagine what would have happened if they right, had called but the do police. you want the cops knocking at your door at 2 a.m if you <laughs> scream no i don't do you yeah if i'm if i'm being murdered right but how does anybody know you're being murdered you don't you don't know that's why you take a guess <laughs> okay. and then they can say stop no no one's dying here we were just screaming for no reason and they can leave it's important, dude. If someone had called, if that neighbor had called, they would know what happened to John Bonet today. If police went to their house at this time, you think they would have caught the killer? Yes, they would have. They would have found out what happened. Hmm. That's for sure. Um. Okay, so five thirty a.m. John Ramsey awoke. The family had planned to rise early the following morning because they were going to fly to Michigan. So it was like 5.30 and they were both getting ready. So Mr. Ramsey was showering and Miss Ramsey, what's weird is she put on the same outfit she was wearing the night before. Also can't say I haven't done that though. I actually do that a lot. <laughs> um, and then she reapplied her makeup and a few minutes later, she went to the second floor to rinse out John Bonet's jumpsuit because she had wet the bed. And then 5.45, there was a ransom note discovered. So this is where this case gets really interesting. Miss Ramsey went downstairs towards the second floor and they had this spiral staircase because they had this like boulder house that was like really car compartmentalized and it was old. So there was just tons of little staircases and stuff. And at the end of the staircase, there was a ransom note, handwritten note on three sheets of pa paper that indicated that John Bonet had been kidnapped. And it's also interesting to note that after investigation, they found that the note was written on pen and paper from inside the house. Right. That's that's probably the most bizarre thing about this is yes. that whoever wrote this ransom note 
sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but whoever wrote this so ransom note. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense. That's why it's funny a little bit. Like, if it was not somebody that lived in the house, like, who would do that? Like, who would, if somebody's committing a murder, who's going to take the time to find a notepad and paper from inside the place where you're killing somebody yeah. to write a note and a long note too. Like this note is long, which then here's what the note said, said, Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed. And if you want to see her, you must follow these instructions on the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size uh, attache to the bank. Fancy. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied to her remains for a proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as the police or FBI, will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned. We are familiar with the law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are only fat you're only a fat cat around, so You're not the only fat oh, cat. Oh, you're not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't under don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Victory. And then signed S-B-T-C initials. Now, a couple what things to note. First of all, that amount, $118,000, is really specific. And it's the exact amount that he had received for his holiday bonus that year. Yeah, and that right there is very bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, first of all, how do you get that information unless you either know John personally or you work with John? If you're yeah. some random stranger, that information is pretty much like he's yeah. like the CEO too. You don't just call up a company and be like, hey, what's the CEO's getting for his yeah. Christmas bonus this year? That's no. bizarre. <laughs> I don't know if he was the CEO. Was he the CEO? I'm pretty sure he was like. He was high up in the company. I'm pretty sure he was like the CEO, wasn't he? Or like. I don't know. Close to it. But that's so weird. 118000 That's a huge fucking bonus. That's a bonus? God. And that's a 1996, by the way. I bet yeah. you that's tenfold now. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway. Well, the other weird thing about it is the fact that, I mean, the, the over-exaggeration and, like, 
it's the way that the letter is put. It sounds like a movie. It's or theatrical. A, it's, it's very theatrical. dramatic That's the and word theatrical. Yes. It almost sounds like a crazy script for a movie or something. Yeah. Especially, and it's so textbook ransom note. It's like yeah. as if somebody Googled <laughs> ransom yeah. note, how to write a ransom note. Yeah. Because it's like, you will withdraw 118000 from your account. 100000 will be, but why, and why, why it does so... it need to be in, why is 18 in $20 bills? That makes no yeah. sense. I mean, it clearly looks like somebody has, it looks like somebody that looked up how to write a ransom note who's yeah. never written one before. Yeah. And whoever wrote this, wrote this in their house. <laughs> so that's weird too. Like, why the fuck would you go in and like waste so much time? Like, oh, let me just sit down and write a long ransom note. This is long, dude. It's I guess it's really possible that they just by coincidence got the same pen and paper or something. That they no, it's had. the same. Or it's actually their property, the Ramsey's property that was used. It is. Oh, okay. It was their pad. So they were like, oh, yeah, that's our pen and paper. Yeah, they had to give them the pad. They had oh, to give wow. the police the pad, and then the police determined mm. that the paper came from their pad in their kitchen. So it was definitely written in the house. So who would, what kind of intruder would sit down at the kitchen table and write this extremely long note? You'd think you'd, there's so much detail to this. There's so much specifics. You'd think if you were writing a ransom note, you would want this to be as little information as possible. Like, all the threats, right. she dies. Yeah. It's so overdramatic. Don't no. try to grow a brain, John. You're not the only fat cat around. Like, it just seems so And ridiculous. this doesn't seem really like a foreign faction wrote this. A foreign faction? Because, like, think about it. Anytime you would see a foreign... Like, if you... When I think of foreign faction writing a ransom note, I would expect to see grammatical errors, yeah. spelling errors. I mean, obviously that there it, are some spelling it's possible errors. that it couldn't, you know, it, you know, mm. they may have perfect English, but it's very bizarre. And another thing real quick that stuck out to me was the fact that they said that they will behead her. Yeah. Like that is some extreme shit. Like yeah. even for, you know, a kidnapping, you know, a kidnapping murder, like, yeah. How often do you hear of like beheadings happen in, especially in the US? Yeah. And yeah, it's not like so... they it's not like they would have been able to kidnap her and get her out of the country. And and you know what for all that violence and for how like well thought out this seems, I feel like 118,000's like not Nothing. enough. Yeah, that's like cheap. It seems awfully convenient like we would go we'll go get our, you know, it's just weird. It seems to me, like uh it'd be way more people being involved, I feel like, but maybe I'm wrong. No, to know. me to me it's it's pretty clear in my mind that whoever did it knew John Ramsey personally. I really yeah. believe that. I think it I think it may have been a personal vendetta. Or it was them. Or it was them. <laughs> so that's the right. ransom note. That's a bizarre ransom note. So moving forward. 5:45 a.m. So they went to her room. Um she immediately screamed, went to Jomine's room and the room was empty obviously. So she's gone. They checked on Burke at 5:52 a.m. He was fine, he was sleeping. Um then Mr. Ramsey went downstairs to read the ransom note and Miss Ramsey called the police to inform that her child had been kidnapped. So I'm just going to go ahead and play the 911 call for you guys. Oh, how do I open a link on a Google Doc? Just uh <laughs> All right, here we go. All right. All right. Sorry. Oh, geez. Sorry, guys. Wow. <laughs> We're having a party over here. What is that? Rave music? So amateur. Surprise. <laughs> okay, here we God. go. God. 
If you guys heard it, there's like kind of this weird, it kind of sounds like this high pitched here. Listen one more time. What is that? It's been long uh, debated what that is. And in fact, last year or like 2016, it was like on a TV show and they analyzed the call and they think that. It might have been them talking to Burke in the background. There's a lot of people, which they've never proved. It. I have no idea what that. It didn't sound like anything. To Sounds me. like moving around or something. Yeah. real quick or something. This recording we're watching says it was Patsy saying, "Help me, Jesus." But there's a lot of people that think it was saying, like talking to Burke, saying Burke, saying, "What did you do?" But that doesn't make sense. Why would they be? It's just. Well, why I don't know if there's any significance to that. Exactly. If that was the case. But what do you think of the call? Like, what do you, what are your first impressions of how she was acting? I think she's acting pretty natural. I think, I think yeah. it definitely sounded like she was distressed and panicked and clearly upset about not being able to find John Bonet. So, yeah, I, nothing I, alarming. It doesn't seem like she would be, she was acting or anything fishy like that. It seemed pretty natural, I would say. So, yeah. that was, what time was that at? That was at, Five five fifty two. Fifty two. So they okay, so they that's when they phone the police. Yeah. So the officers get there. Yes. And it's important to note that on this particular night the Ramsey family did not turn on their home alarm system and the home so the home was unlocked. At least seven windows and a door were found unlocked on the morning of December twenty sixth. So after 5.52 a.m., she immediately calls her family friends, Fleet and Priscilla White. They were the ones they were with the night before, and they came over, like, right away. Now, that was, that's kind of weird that they came over. Yeah, why the it's friends a crime right scene. away? But they didn't know it was a crime scene because they didn't... When right, Everyone at first thing. thought she was yeah, gone. That's true. So, yeah, that would be pretty natural then to call your yeah. friends and neighbors. Yeah, I guess you would because, yeah, I think I would start if calling you truly as many didn't people know as I that. could. If you truly didn't know where somebody yeah. was and maybe you were calling to check to see if maybe we left her there and forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't, not. Know. I don't know. It's weird. So they yeah, she called immediately after the nine one one call too. That's what's weird. So then five fifty five AM Officer French is dispatched to their house, which is seven five five fifteenth street in Boulder. Regarding the ransom and the kidnapping. So, um let's see. Sorry, okay, a lot so of it looks like here. around 5.59 a.m., Officer French uh, was in the house, and it looks like he read the ransom note yeah. and then did a quick search of the house. Mm -hmm. And so they're they're thinking that, um, according to the ransom note, the kidnappers would be calling between 8 and 10 a.m. Yeah. And so, obviously, they were just waiting for that time because at this yeah. point, point in at, at this time, they didn't know where she was and they, they yeah. figured she was kidnapped because yeah. that's what the ransom note said. Right. 
So yeah, they were waiting for a call between 9 and 10 a.m. That, that never came. But going back even earlier than that, it's also important to note that there was apparently two inches of snow the night of that murder, and there were no footprints or t- tracks of any kind in the snow when the Boulder police arrived. Um, this was, I mean, they may not have seen it. Things We know how fast snow melts in Colorado, so it's possible that they were there. Well, not a, not just melting, but like, you know, if somebody had been outside the house earlier that night, a couple hours of snow easily yeah. could have covered up those tracks. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So or they could possible. have been there before it even started snowing. Um, okay, so... Um, they immediately searched the house for looking for a point of entry. So they're obviously looking for someone. How did, because at this point they think someone came in and did this. Or so they're came looking, in and kidnapped her, right? Right. Came in and kidnapped her. So they're looking for a point of entry and they could not find any point of entry. No forced entry um, anywhere. No signs of forced entry. Not in the beginning. The yeah. only thing was there was a broken window in the basement, but John Ramsey said that he broke that window like months earlier and forgot about it because they never go down there and their house is fucking huge. Um, Which is totally possible. I can see that. So that I, I mean, you could definitely buy that story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um. Uh. So the Boulder Police said that they, no, the Boulder Police detective specifically, Linda Arndt. She's a really big part of this story because people are really disappointed with her policing skills. The whole Boulder Police Department in this did not handle this the best way. They decided to ask John to search the home for anything unusual to keep him occupied. No, that is does not happen. That's horrible police work. <laughs> Seriously. Never, ever would you yeah. have the victim's parents search instead of you. You say, yes. sit your ass down on the couch. They already searched it, though. They asked him to do another search after they had already performed a search with one of the family friends. No way. That <laughs> doesn't happen. And when they did this, the so... When they first were looking through the house, the house was messy, but there was no sign of a struggle. Um, he no specifically, blood The police did not look in the wine cellar. He didn't open the, that room in the basement because it was locked from the outside. So the latch was on the wrong side of the door leading out of the house. So why, like, how would someone have gotten in? Does that make sense? Well, that was his p- thought process for why he didn't check that that area. Um, so a family friend also went downstairs. Yep. He did his own search by himself. So this basement had to have been pretty big then. It is. Their whole house was really big. So Mr. So Mr. White testifies, this is fleet white that when he began his search, the lights were already on in the basement and the door to the hallway, um, leading to the cellar room was opened. So, like, what there's the been different testimony. For, that's why this case that's is so, so confusing. What no one hell? understands. The time of the timeline of events is fucked up. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, there's a lot of confusion. What the hell? Then that would suggest that John Ramsey went downstairs and previously checked the wine cellar. <laughs> I don't even know. And then he, he further testified that a window in the basement playroom was bl- broken, which was what John said. Um, there was also a suitcase under the broken window. So people think maybe it was a way for someone to step up and get out of the window, um, along with a broken shard of glass, but he cannot remember if the window was open or closed at the time. Um, he also opened the door to the cellar wine cellar room, but he could not see anything inside because it was dark and he couldn't find the light switch. So we went back upstairs and like no one, so no one ever searched in this wine cellar, like all morning. 
so this wine's I, I keep picturing like a little like wine cellar fridge but no. this is a big ass wine cellar yeah. like a full wine cellar i think room. there was a full like there was a closet in the wine cellar where she was so like there it's yeah um so at this point burke wakes up he's dressed at 7 a.m and at 7 13 a.m they took him to the white's house to just get him out of the way 7 30 a.m uh they went and got the hundred eighteen thousand demanded in the ransom note John um, Ramsey did. Okay. Uh-huh. So John Ramsey went and collected the money for the ransom uh, that the ransom note demanded. Yep. And at this point, they're like coaching them on what to say. If right. Because they call... they're expecting this call from right. these kidnappers. Right. That supposedly wrote this ransom. But no note. one ever calls. <laughs> um, <laughs> God. So at this point, this is what's crazy. The Boulder police allowed the advocates, which I'm assuming were just like people helping, like friends that were there. To, for moral support they began cleaning up their kitchen because it was still messy like they had probably planned to clean before they left it was christmas this the is day a before. freaking crime scene though and yeah they're just cleaning <laughs> exactly up. this seems like well, they the... didn't know it was a crime scene at that point but i think either way it's a crime scene because if they think someone entered the house that i mean it is they a have crime no excuse scene. for letting them clean that if... fucking kitchen okay excuse my language i'm very passionate about Germany. okay this makes zero sense no from a from a criminal investigation standpoint, if somebody disappears unexpectedly outside out of the house, I would expect and they suspect that foul play could be involved based upon this ransom note, which would suggest that John Bonet was kidnapped out of her freaking bed. That's what this is implying. Yeah. So that means the whole house is a crime scene. Right. So the whole they should the police should have came, removed everybody out of the house, taped it off. And then waited for the forensic unit to come in here to do a full sweep of the house because this yeah. is a crime scene. Well, they should have sealed off the whole house. At, it took them till 1030 a.m. just to seal JonBenet's bedroom. That's ridiculous. And they only sealed the bedroom. They didn't. So it was just like free for all in the rest of the house. People were cleaning. There's all these <laughs> friends there. Oh, such so, bad police yeah. work. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, really bad police work. That's ridiculous. Um, they did little to protect the integrity of the crime scene. Believing the crime was a kidnapping, the co- the cops cordoned off or corner yeah, cordoned off. Sorry, Jomney's bedroom with yellow and black crime scene tape to preserve whatever evidence her abductor may left have left behind. I don't understand why they didn't do the whole house because if they believed that she that the abductor was in the bedroom, then they would have had to be in the rest or of the house possibly, as well. I mean, it makes no sense. Or possibly wrote a ransom note in their house. Yeah. They, yeah, they just didn't see the rest of the house oh, as a God. crime scene. That's so bad. So the whole kitchen was cleaned. And it's interesting because now people really think that the crime actually happened in the kitchen. This is going to be a long podcast, but hey, you guys keep saying you want long podcasts. <laughs> Buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> okay. Um, so at 1040 a.m., this is interesting. John Ramsey went out to go pick up their mail. Now, this is strange because... They did not have the mail was delivered right to the house through a mail slot by the front door in this area. So him going to get the mail makes no sense. There is no place for him to have gotten. The Where mail would from. he be going to get the mail from? They don't know. Huh? That's weird. So then not until 1 p.m. John and Fleet decide to do one search of the basement. Actually, Detective Arndt, which this is... um. She's the blonde one. I don't know if you've ever seen her. If any of you guys have probably seen 
stuff about this case. She's really prominent in this detective art because people think she was just like a mess during this. <laughs> like did not do anything right with this. So she told them to check the whole house one more time, top to bottom. I don't understand why she wasn't with them, but she sent John and Fleet to go no. search the house. <sighs> um. So anyway, they led, they went to the basement and they first went into the train room. So this is how big the house is. There's a fucking train room just for their toy train. <laughs> um, examined the broken window. Said John said he broke it a few months ago. They searched for glass on the floor and then they went up to a broom closet and then to the wine cellar. Again. Again for possibly the third time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, <laughs> guess who's in the wine cellar? Yep. Mr. Ramsey then noticed a heavy fireplace grate propped in front of the closet in the wine cellar. Finding that unusual, um, they, or, oh yeah, they moved it. They moved that from the closet. They searched the closet. She was not in that particular closet. Then they went to the wine cellar room. Sorry, that was another closet. Um, so then they find John Benet Ramsey in this wine cellar in the closet in the wine cellar. Around 1.04 p.m. 1.04 p.m. She had been strangled, sexually assaulted, and suffered blunt force trauma to her head. Mr. Ramsey went into the room first, turned on the light, and discovered John Benet's body. He exclaimed, oh my God, my baby. This is all just what the police have written down. So this is also crazy. Because the police weren't with him at the time, they didn't tell him not to touch her. So he rips the duct tape off of her face. Oh, th that just, <laughs> just is, that's the reason this case is unsolved still. Yeah. Because this detective clearly did not know how to investigate a homicide. No. Well, the Boulder police were just not prepared for this. Right, because in Boulder, it's a happy place. And murders <laughs> don't happen there that often. Actually, yeah, that's true. Um. So John Bonet had black duct tape covering her mouth and a cord around her neck that was attached to a wooden garrote, which is a twisting tool that you can that's how you can suffocate people. It's like whether a stick and a piece of like Right, you twist it to yeah, tighten it. You twist it, it to yeah. tighten it. It's actually I think a sexual thing. Um like it's it's for asphyxiation, right? Yeah. To cut off uh yep. airflow. Mm hmm Her hands were bound over her head, uh, were bound over her head. And she was covered in a light colored blanket. What? He ripped the duct tape off her mouth and attempted to untie her hands. And within a few minutes of going into the basement, Fleet came running up the stairs, uh, grabbed, the grabbed the telephone in the back office located on the first floor and yelled for someone to call an ambulance. So then they carried her upstairs. Oh, John. God. <laughs> Contamination of evidence right there. Big time. Yeah. And I think... This was, she was actually brought up by Arndt, picked up the body again, moved it into the living room. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. They, they he brought, brought her it upstairs. upstairs and right? then the, the, the detective, yeah, then, the detective moved then moved the body again, oh my moved Lord. into the living room near the Christmas tree where Rams, where Patsy found her, knelt behind, knelt beside her screaming, my little angel over and over again. Friends carried Patsy too stunned to walk over to the body or John said that said the little angel thing it doesn't matter sorry it's hard to do this live <laughs> um but the police describe her throwing herself over john benet in hysterics so, then, so they're clearly upset yeah. at the at finding i mean hysterical like she wanted to be sedated she asked several times to be sedated the mom and 
that whole night they were reported like they didn't sleep. They were just walking around aimlessly. And so Detective Arndt requests his backup, backup <laughs> and they seal off the house. Um, like it was not until later. yeah 13.50 p.m., which is what? What time is that? That's that 6.50? Yeah. I don't even know. I'm so bad at military mm, time. That's 1.50 p.m. Okay, so 1.45, they left the house, the fa- the Ramses, to stay with their friend, the Fernies, and the house was secured. And then at 2.30, uh, the brother, Burke, was interviewed by the Boulder Police Department. Yep. And apparently, Detective Patterson talked to Burt Ramsey at the White's house. Mm-hmm. And Burke apparently had no idea what was going on and reportedly had slept through the events of the previous night. So it sounds like Burke has no information as, as far as what happened because he was fast asleep in his bed and didn't mm-hmm. hear anything. And surprisingly never woke up from that scream that was supposedly heard. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. He was just in his room. That's all he knows. Um, so John Bonet was found with obviously a garage and there was, the, the tool, the wooden part to spin the garage was actually a paintbrush from her paint tray from the boiler room in the basement. They determined that it belonged Patsy's, to her. Patsy's. Patsy's. Yeah. Patsy Ramsey's paint right. brush. Um, so, so do you want to read the body exam? Yeah. This is so, just the first, like, uh, this isn't the full autopsy. This is just someone coming in and looking at the body in the, in the house. Yeah. This is the corner. Uh, corner looking, examining John Bonet Ramsey's body. I don't think it is the corner, is it? Yeah, it's a corner that looks. But at they the body. came up with different, like they had different. Um, Meyer, who's outcomes. Meyer? Do you know who Meyer is? It, I think it was just one of the Boulder Police crime Department scene or something. Detectives, yeah, like a forensic person. Yeah, I don't know if it was like the full coroner though. So, yeah. all right. No, wait, wait, wait. Yes, it was. Was it the corner? John Meyer? Yep. So yeah, he just because the guess, corner would make these detailed. Different detailed remarks about it yeah so poor john benet got messed up upon initially viewing the body in the living room of the house the descendant uh or the decadent was laying on her back on the floor covered by a blanket and a colorado avalanche sweatshirt on removing these two items from the top of the body the decadent is it des i'm saying that right decadent i think it's decadent it's not okay, descendant. I don't know. It's decadent. Was found to be lying on her back with her arms extended above, up over her head. The head was turned to the right and a brief examination of the body disclosed a ligature around the neck and a ligature around the right wrist. Also noted was a small area of abrasion or contusion below the right ear, which is where she reportedly was hit. Mm. Below the right ear on the lateral aspect of the right cheek and a prominent dried abrasion was present on the lower left neck. Mm-hmm. So it appeared that she had suffered, maybe even tortured, and yeah. strangled to death with this garrote. Well, they believe, at first they thought that the blunt force trauma to the back of her head is what killed her. Later on, they figured out that she was alive when she was strangled. So we we believe that the actual the strangulation is what fully killed her that's what the county coroner said uh that's yeah. what uh the results of the autopsy found was mm-hmm. that she she died mm-hmm. due to strangulation asphyxiation but 
It sounds like others believe that she may have been bludgeoned to death. My sister just texted me and said, are you reopening the Ramsey case? <laughs> Makes me feel like a damn detective. Yeah, I'm reopening this shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so the garrote was from the paintbrush, from the hobby kit. Um, now, this is kind of upsetting, and I don't. E I didn't even mention a lot of this stuff in my YouTube video. I kind of keep it a little, a little more, not G-rated, but not... Less graphic. You know, yeah. But the podcast is a whole different world. So we're going <laughs> to so, get graphic here. Yeah, but it's upsetting, uh, just to warn you. There were wood fragments from the paintbrush um, that was used to create the garrote found inside of her. So they believe that she was sexually assaulted with the paintbrush. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Ugh. Um, they also, her body also showed signs of sexual damage that was, that caused bleeding. Um, fiber evidence suggests that the cord and the duct tape were at one time in the second floor area near John Bonet's room. Fibers consistent with the cord make to make the garrote were found in John Bonet's bed. That does that's just, you know, that's fiber evidence. So it's very hard to like say for sure, but that's, you know, um, in her bed though, that's odd. Yeah. So they had it. So whoever had this garrote was possibly in her room, possibly, possibly by there was consistent fibers, but, um, other, um, uh, the duct tape was, uh, the duct tape that covered John Bonet's mouth. Was never uh, sourced. Was never to their sourced, house. huh? To the Ramsey So house. that was not belonging to them as that far as we know. Was a foreign object to the home. Uh, mm. Well, we're not positive unless they got rid of it. But um, other uh, items not belonging to the second floor were found that day. There was a rope inside of a paper sack in the guest bedroom on the second floor. Small pieces of the brown paper sack were found in John Bonet's bed, and the body bag that was used to transport her body from the scene. Huh. John and Patsy said they have no knowledge of the rope and said that they did not own it. There was also a baseball bat found in the Ramsey's house. Really? They found a baseball bat that they both claimed that wasn't supposed to be there? Yeah, I mean it could have been theirs though. This is this this is all coming from their their lawyer actually. So um not all of it, the information I'm reading right now. Um there are also brown cotton fibers found on John Bonet's body, on the garrote handle, the duct tape, and the wrist lig ligatures were not sourced and didn't match anything in the Ramsey's home. Um, a shoe print was found yep. in the basement in the mold on the floor. Yeah. And there were shoe prints containing a high-tech branding marketing or marking. Yeah. And neither John, Patsy, or Burke owned any shoes with that brand at the time of the murder. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So, another interesting thing to know is that she had pineapple in her stomach, undigested pineapple, which makes a lot of people believe that she had pineapple when they got home from whatever Christmas party they were at, at the, the White's house. So she ate pineapple before she went to bed? That's what people believe, that the story that they told was not true, that maybe they weren't asleep when they got back to the house, that they were both awake. So a lot of people, there's a huge theory, actually, that John Bonet and Burke both loved pineapple with milk. It was like kind of their thing. So they think they got home, it was Christmas night or whatever, and they wanted pineapple and milk, and Burke was having some, and a lot of, this is a totally just a theory, but a lot of people think she reached over to grab some pineapple from Burke and he got mad and picked up there's this really heavy flashlight in their kitchen and smacked her on the head with it 
Huh. So that would explain. Rendering her at least unconscious. Right. Could have been possible they thought she was dead and she wasn't or they finished the job. The parents to clean up for him. Right. That's just a theory. So that's that's the pineapple thing. Um, or it's possible that an intruder came in and gave her some pineapple. We have no idea because the kitchen was fucking cleaned. So we have no idea who, you know. Who was even in the kitchen yes. at any point that night. Yes, but they, they do believe that at least Patsy and Burke were in the kitchen that night. Huh. Yeah, there's a, it's very confusing, this case, obviously. This is of, like one of the most confusing of cases found. of all times. But it sounds like there was DNA of an unidentified male yep. that was found under John Bonet's fingernails. Yeah. And it wasn't visually apparent that John Bonet had suffered a massive blow to her head that fractured the right side of her skull. And the yeah. injury that has been described as the equivalent to an injury resulting from a fall from the third floor of a building. Yeah. Damn. So she got... She got Hit, hit really hard really hard well have you seen those big metal flashlights like you could yeah, definitely knock someone out with that super heavy yeah um and also they found dna in her long johns that she was wearing like her pajamas and her underwear that belonged to an unidentified male this is not sperm don't get it twisted a lot of people get confused about that but just male dna hands you know um and it sounds like a pathologist actually uh, who performed an autopsy discovered that John Bonet was indeed sexually assaulted through penetration with the broken wooden handle of a paintbrush. It's fucking sick. Yeah. Sick bastard. Yeah. Whoever did that. God. Well, that's like when you start to think it was the why? parents or the family, like it's really it's like, hard why would to they believe do that. that. Yeah. You know, that's Especially so crazy. That. Why would they go to that length? To... But this whole case just makes no sense at the same time. It's so hard. Um, so yeah, they not found no footsteps in the snow. Um, so at first, the Ramses have gotten so much shit for seeming like uncooperative. And they were pretty uncooperative. They they sometimes were willing to cooperate and they gave a lot of stuff over. But they felt from the beginning, I think law enforcement started having bias against them right away because they're like, this happened. We found her dead in your house. Chances right. are. How did you not you. know she was dead in your right. wine cellar? So and who would kidnap someone and then end up killing them anyway and leaving them in the basement it doesn't make a lot of sense it seemed like a cover-up what's what i don't get though is if they were covering it up wouldn't they have like taken her body out of the house so that she was never found and then they could just go with that she's been kidnapped and is missing right ah, this whole thing is so confusing um so the they gave um the boulder police historical handwriting samples so stuff they've already written as well as supervised written samples um, they were able to determine that the handwriting was not of John or Burke, but they were not able to uh, rule out Patsy. Right. It was inconclusive that the handwriting of the ransom note matched up with Patsy Ramsey's handwriting. Like little things that she did, like the way that she wrote her cues or like stuff like that. Um, little unique things about her handwriting were showing up. And it was long. Like it'd be hard to... Fake it. And what was interesting is the handwriting changes throughout the note. If you look at it, it's kind of nicer towards the beginning and it gets sloppy at the end. Like as if somebody was like, oh, shit, I got to hurry up and finish this. Or they were trying hard to make it look like someone else's or not their handwriting. Right. And the more I think about it, I completely understand why they would be uncooperative with the police because the police have has fucked this up so far. Yeah. They completely yeah. fucked this investigation. And so right. instead of telling the police more information or being cooperative they're like fuck you guys 
and they went to the press to you know inform the public about what had happened and yeah but they would they definitely did turn down a lot of interviews though they were known for like not wanting to do appearances but they, they did quite a bit yeah um and another weird thing is they both hired separate lawyers for each of them yeah i mean they were super rich but so. i mean they could have just been maximum protection you know yes um, but they were actually both officially acquitted of the crime in a 13-month jury deliberation. They were again, they were acquitted once again in 2008 after a touch DNA test was eliminated them from the suspect list right. entirely. Which they all had their DNA. Uh, they gave their DNA samples to the police. Yeah, so it's definitely so not their DNA that was found that was there. on John Bonet. Yeah. But there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence to show that that DNA could have been from the manufacturer that someone making that that's those yeah clothes. that's that's what I said too is that yeah it's quite possible that by accident somebody's DNA that had you know maybe handled the product at some time got on handled the, the because it could be skin and? flakes it could be yeah because they could be yeah. folding they could be packaging could have transferred from the yeah because back then I mean they probably didn't have all the automated production of that stuff so yeah. it probably was physically handled so that makes sense yeah yeah definitely so these are the possibilities of who done it who done it who so killed John Bonet? a lot of people think there's several different theories but the pineapple one that i explained earlier it was done by burke and the parents covered it up the parents acted together figured this like one of our children is dead we might as well try to save the other one from being I don't know. Can you get arrested? Instead of losing. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know what would honestly, even happen though, to him. Honestly, I just don't like know if accident. that makes sense because for such a powerful, you know, family that has the money that they do. Yeah. They shouldn't be worried about that because they would have the ability to fight that in court. And, you know, even if Burke had accidentally killed, killed John Benet, I'm sure Burke probably wouldn't have been punished that severely no well it would have been considered an accident it wasn't like aggravated assault uh or i guess or maybe i don't know i mean he could have got like know. i mean I, I mean they would have had to try him as a as a kid though and that's the thing <sighs> i don't see anything that bad have happened have happened to him i mean it just doesn't seem like you would go ahead and like stage the whole thing in order to it doesn't you know I don't know, but they could have. Like, that's what most people think. And I really, I just have a weird feeling about Patsy. I don't know why. She just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like, here, check out this interview. Listen to the parents talk about their possible involvement. Just yeah, because they were getting like, let them kinda... loads of heat. A oh, lot, yeah. Everyone a lot thought of people they did thought it. they did it. Because it's in your house. The ransom note was weird as hell, and it was in your house. And who else would have known that bonus amount, you know? That's the thing is somebody had to have known that information and that's not public knowledge yeah. of how much a person is getting a bonus for. No. I mean, unless you did some serious digging, but there's just no way. Yeah. Because, I mean, another option is that possibly the parents were the killers based upon the bedwetting incident and maybe... yeah. John, because it sounds like he may have had some anger issues with the children. Yeah, a lot of people that think he, was he may have raged mm -hmm. and, you know, killed John Bonet either purposely or yeah. on a, by accident. And or Patsy, like 
honestly, more people think it was Patsy that accidentally like got really mad about the bedwetting thing, flipped out, right. and, like, hit her. And then John is covered for for her. Yeah. To protect her. Right. Um, or their son did it and they both, you know, staged this whole thing. But it's they just were such a weird plan. Like, hey, like we'll like imagine if this was us for some fucking reason. Like one of our cats is dead and we want to hide it. What would would we like write a ransom letter and then stash them in the basement it just says and then call the police to our house and have people search and go yeah it's just that's like it's hard how to... quickly everything went down yeah just it seems very difficult mm-hmm. you know because if because i mean even if they had killed her at 2 a.m by 7 a.m yeah. i mean if they had really done it you would have thought and wanted to fake a kidnapping they would have like drove her to some place and you know put her far away from the home as as they could yeah so that it would fit what, yeah. the narrative of a but ransom then there'd kidnapping. be like evidence that they left the house the neighbor could have seen them leaving right or hide her somewhere than just like i mean i don't know, I don't know. It's, so, it's bizarre so weird so bizarre i mean the the ransom note alone is just such a strange component to this because why would you have written that at all you know like if you were going to just have them find her in your basement, why why even add the ransom note kidnapping part of this? Yeah, or take hey, it Hey, we easier. found our daughter dead in our basement. That's a lot more believable than this weird ransom. I don't know. So here, listen to the, the parents talking about it. Um, just a little bit of this to hear kind of their take on it. Tell you those were the most hurtful. To those of you who may want to ask, let me address very directly, I did not kill my daughter, John Bonet. Uh, there have also been innuendos that she has, has been or was sexually molested. I can tell you those were the most hurtful uh, innuendos uh, to us as a family. Uh, they are totally false. Uh, John, Bonet, John Bonet and I had a very close uh, relationship. Uh, I will miss her dearly for the rest of my life. I'm Patsy Ramsey, Jean-Benet's mother, and I'm grateful that we are finally able to meet together face to face. I'm appalled that anyone would think that John or I would be involved in such a hideous heinous crime, but let me assure you that I did not kill Jean Benet. I did not have anything to do with it. I love that child with my whole of my heart and soul. Mr. Mrs. Ramsey, what do you want to say to the killer of your daughter? We'll find you. We will find you. I have that as a sole mission for the rest of my life. Mrs. Ramsey? Likewise, the uh, police and investigators have assured us that this is a case which can be solved. You know, you may be eluding the authorities for a time, but God knows who you are, and we will find you. Huh. Okay. So, I mean, that seems pretty authentic to me. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say, And, though. I mean, yeah, this crime was heinous. Heinous as fuck. I mean... I can't mm-hmm. imagine as a as a parent, no matter how mad or raging you are about your child, that it would bring you to to, to the point that. where you would 
kill her and then sexually assault her. Like, but reality, the sad reality is, is it that does happens happen. to a it lot does of happen. kids, yeah, actually. Absolutely. So they have to consider it. <clears throat> and this is interesting. Um, bedwetting and toileting accidents are one of the leading causes of child abuse. There are many reports on abuse cases relating to bedwetting, such as children beaten, starved, or forced to sit in a chair all day, sleep in a bathtub, or sit on an electric burner. Jesus. Yeah, so parents do fucked up things to kids. God damn. And in a moment of rage on Christmas after like being exhausted, it could have happened. So I certainly don't think you can rule them out, but there's plenty of reasons to think it could have been something else. Um, so while we're still talking about the family, another option is that uh, the older brother, Burke, uh, accidentally killed John Bonet with the flashlight. Well, yeah, we talked about that, but... I mean, it's more po it's possible because he hit her with a golf club before. So he's been known to act out in rage like that. And he had been known to have some behavioral problems. They think a lot of people think he was emotionally disturbed and they've really tried to hide a lot of things about him. And, you know, he's done all these interviews recently. He finally started talking like a year ago and he acts fucking weird. He is. A, he's like he's a sketchy dude. Smiling and grinning. Odd. and yeah, he was Super on the Dr. Weird. Phil show, actually. Let me try to pull up a little clip and of him. Going. We watched it, and he's just bizarre. I mean, he I mean, he could just be a bizarre person, but his, just his deme demeanor and Zero the way he sounds is so odd. Yeah. So odd. I really fully grasped, like, after this, I suppose, I think one of our... Okay. I remember the casket was small and her eyes Why were closed. Why the fuck is he smiling? Her eyes was a little bit like droopy or something. And I thought that was weird. He's smiling. How did you feel seeing her? A lot of sadness. I don't think I really fully grasped. Like after this, I won't see her again. Burke Ramsey, now 29, breaking a 20-year silence, coming out of the shadows to speak publicly for the first time about his sister John Bonet's murder. It's just weird because he was like smiling and giggling the whole time. So anyway, but uh, should we move on to other theories? Yeah. We just are one like last note on Burke is that the theory, you know, some of the thoughts behind the fact that he might have killed John Bonet is he's emotionally disturbed, but that John Bonet's parents yes. spent so much time with her and really put her first. It sounds like because she was such a, you know, such a pageant queen and just seemed like the favorite of the family a little bit. And she they got definitely a ton favored of, a, of attention. attention. Yeah. So, so a lot of people think he had some serious anger towards her and was jealous. Yeah. And feeling neglected by them. Um, because it was really all about John Bonet. They did pageant. She was in stuff all the time and never stopped for this poor girl. She was like a worker horse from the day she was born, born. Sorry. <laughs> um, who, what are the other suspects? Okay. So, Santa, the Santa from the party right before Christmas. Two nights before, apparently. Yes. Bill McReynolds. Bill McReynolds. Now, let me tell you about this weirdo. First of all, CNN reported that um, Bill had given John Bonet a card that said, you will receive a special gift after Christmas. He um, was also with the Ramsey family earlier that night at the holiday party at the White's house. Bill was also there for that. This is a family friend. So it's always important to look at family friends because a lot of the time in these creepy kinds of cases, kids feel a little more comfortable or like will follow someone when they know them. Like, oh, it's Bill. It's Santa. 
Like, let me go with him. You know, it's maybe that's how he was able to do it quietly. Um, now he has been, he actually passed away uh, quite a while back. Um, but he always denied having any involvement in this, obviously. and was like ruled out as but a suspect. But what's suspicious is that uh, Bill McReynolds' daughter actually went missing 22 years before John Bonet's death to the yeah. exact date, actually. To the, yeah, to the exact That's date. That's bizarre. Just, yep. And they found them, actually. It was her and another kid, and they were returned, but they were kidnapped. That's crazy. But yeah. it sounds like before he died, he was... Uh, ultimately cleared yeah. due to the DNA test. But listen to this quote, Josh. You should read this quote. You'll do better than me reading. All right. <laughs> Bill McReynolds mine. said... This is wild. The stardust was all I took oh, with me. Oh, hang on. Sorry. I got to preface this. He had this little vial of uh, glitter. glitter that John Bonet had given him, and he like carried it everywhere with him. I don't Weird. Know. But he said that the stardust was all I took with me for good luck when I had heart surgery last summer her murder was harder on me than my operation she made a profound change in me i felt very close to that little girl i don't really have other children that i have this special relationship with weird not even my own children or my own grandchildren when i die i'm going to be cremated and i've asked my wife to mix the stardust John Bonet gave me with my ashes. What the fuck? We're going to go up behind the cabin here and have it blow away in the wind. So the weird. fuck is that about? That's bizarre. Yeah. He seems like kind of a deranged person because that's yeah. really weird. That's so did he normal. go in their house, feed her some pineapple, and then lead her into the basement and kill her? It's possible. But, but then what the fuck's up with the ransom note? Why even add that in there? Like, right. Why even leave more evidence, leave your handwriting... But yeah, he was ruled out, so police don't think he did it. But so was the family. So the next suspect is a sex offender. Yes. Gary, Gary Howard Olivia. Olivia. Mm -hmm. And Gary Howard Olivia uh, actually may have lived a few blocks away from the Ramseys at the time of the murder. Mm -hmm. And he actually had a history of sexually abusing children. And not only that, he carried a, a photo of John Bonet in his backpack. Yes. Very well, odd, and they found it when he was arrested in 2000 on a drug charge. Yeah, and he also they also found he created a shrine for the little girl, saying that her death greatly affected him. And this dude had a stun gun in his backpack. Yes, and they believe that's bizarre. There was a marking on her face that the family believes was a mark from a stun gun. Seems so, like a pretty good suspect. I think he's been. I don't know if he's been ruled out. Well, he's so in 2002, he appeared on CBS's 48 hour investigates and the show alleged that after the murder, Olivia had told a friend that he was in Boulder and had done something horrible to a child. Yeah. And he also made a poem at that time, which he called Ode to John Bonet. Mm -hmm. And this guy was arrested again in 2016 on child porn charges. Yeah. So clearly a, sex offender like a lunatic too he pedophile. put her face on monopoly that's money. bizarre so he definitely could have been involved yeah and he lived he seems like a pretty prime suspect actually so like someone could have gone through that window in the basement gone in that way just the letter the letter like the ransom note is what fucks up everything in this case like you, you almost have a theory and then you remember the letter and it's like why or maybe they meant 
I mean, I guess you could say John Bonet was being kidnapped in the process of being kidnapped. She started fighting back, trying to scream. Maybe she screamed and to silence her, the person was like, oh, you know, and then killed her. So the plan wasn't to kill her when the ransom note was written, but because of her screaming and being out of control, they hit her hard enough and maybe she died. So then they decided to just kill her there. That's, I guess, a possibility. Yeah, it could have been the ransom note was written before the murder happened and it went bad. Right. And he ended up just leaving just her in out. the basement versus taking her out that window. Yep. So next possibility is John Mark Carr, a.k.a. Daxis. <laughs> so this guy's a freak with a capital oh, F. Oh, yeah, this is that freaky dude. Um, In 2005, he actually began an email correspondence with Michael Tracy from the University of Colorado. And he was an expert on the John Bonet Ramsey case because he was from the University of Colorado Boulder, so really close to the case. He was using the pseudo, whatever, the pseudo, uh, pseudonym, uh, Daxis, and he admitted to killing John Bonet. So he, he confessed. Yeah, he confessed. And it was a big thing. I actually remember, oddly enough, being in Rhode Island with my cousins when this happened, like seeing it on the news because it was like a big thing. John Bonet Ramsey's killer confessed. Huh. But they shortly figured out that it wasn't him. Um, he he shared details from the crime scene and said that he had been in love with the child before her accidental death. He traced, but authorities traced his emails to Thailand. That's where they found him. He was teaching at an elementary school. Creep. Um, the police arrested him, but they found that his DNA did not men- match any of the samples found around the crime scene. He was acquitted of the murder, but still maintains that he knew and loved the six-year-old. Uh, the Ramses believe that it could not have been Carr and that he was not a killer, that he even knew their daughter. Um, they just kind of dismissed the confession altogether. And you'd think if they did it, they would like jump on an opportunity to accuse someone else, you know? Oh yeah, it was him. But it sounds like this guy was just kind of a nut who worshiped kids and like loved John Bonet and, uh, the whole case and just got obsessed with the case and then somehow like convinced himself he did it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Um, another suspect was Michael Helgoth. Yep. And Michael Helgoth was 26 at the time of John Bonet's murder and worked at a nearby auto bu- or uh, auto salvage yard. And this guy had a history of sexual assault, harming animals, and had apparently always wanted to crack a human skull. And this is according to testimony by a co-worker at the time, John Kennedy. And his co-worker said that right before Christmas in 96, Helgoth hinted that he and a business partner would be making around fifty to $80,000 each, which kind of a closely i guess not really but around a hundred thousand dollars total and apparently kennedy went to the police and after hearing about john benet on the news to tell them about helgoth because apparently i'm sure he was like suspicious as fuck that this guy's telling him this Mm -hmm. but in january of 1997 uh right when the police announced that the suspect list had been narrowed down helgoth was found dead in his bedroom from what appeared to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Yeah. And it later came to light that the circumstances of of his death actually pointed to murder. Yeah. Which had been framed to look like suicide. Really? Yeah. I know. Weird. There are so many twists and turns in this case. It's unbelievable. Like, we're probably not even scratching the surface, honestly. And we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes. So bizarre. (laughs) So the final theory is that it was just a random intruder, just someone completely random. There's all types of theories about people it could have been people traveling from other states um 
it's just so confusing. I mean, it seems like to have it all work out that way. I don't know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. That it was some random person. I feel like it would at least have to have been someone who knew them, knew the house, knew about that window. Knew, you know, it's just so weird. My but, One of my theories is that a jealous employee or a disgruntled employee possibly killed her. That was close to John Ramsey. Yeah. Because again, coming back to the ransom note asking for $118,000, that's so bizarre. How does anybody know that unless they know John Ramsey very well? Well, think or, about it like or this. Or close to him. If it was the parents, what if they were like, what if whoever, when they're writing it, they're like, do 118 because that's why I just, I can go get that money right out right now. Yeah, it's such a specific number. Like, why yeah. wouldn't they round it up to 150 or 200,000 or half yeah. a million or something? Yeah, like it would make it so obvious that it was someone connected to the job or like someone that personally knew them to have that exact amount. And he's clearly rich enough to have more than that. Oh, yeah. Like, why, like, why would you go for that this, much? Why wouldn't you go a million, go home? Two and, million, three million, you know? Right. Yeah. Try to milk him for all he's worth. But yeah, especially taking amount. their like prized possession little girl who's like wins all these pageants. You'd think you'd like go for the moon. So bizarre. It's really so weird. So bizarre. So, what I mean, I have no idea. Obviously, no one knows. I just something something fishy with the parents. I, I think the strongest theory is that Burke accidentally knocked her out. She was either dead or they thought she was dead. So they finished the job with the grot. But I just can't. Un then the paintbrush thing comes in and the sexual assault. And it's, it's so confusing. I mean, it could have been the father, but why? Another thing that's just got me totally baffled is the ransom. I mean, the ransom note just really throws a whole, yeah, oh, a huge wrench into all this because especially that it was written in the house. That's very and that they said too. it was a foreign faction. I know. Have they investigated <laughs> any foreign factions? I mean, we don't know. They could have. Because what the hell? As far as I know, this case probably will never be solved. Um, there's not really enough to convict anyone and if the police had handled the crime scene better this possibly could be solved today yeah i mean the crime scene was not preserved no at way. all what the hell it yeah. just makes no sense at all yep and it's sad i mean john Minet was a really gorgeous little girl with a very bright future ahead of her she was like winning all these pageants and stuff so i mean I mean, maybe Patsy was even jealous of her. A lot of people think she was jealous of her daughter, kind of like living through I her. Just, I just don't. I, I, after reviewing this case now, I just, I just really have a hard time believing yeah. that the parents did it. I know it's, it's, well, a lot of the times, like even with my video, I didn't have all the information when I made that video. I worked much harder this time trying to go more in depth for the podcast. And going into this, I thought it was still Burke and Patsy and like a cover up. But like the more you find out, you certainly can't accuse them of that. Like there's just not enough evidence. And there's enough evidence pointing to other people that you definitely can't have one theory that makes complete sense. If there's something there's always something to discredit any theory that comes up. There's always like, well, well, what about this? How would this have happened? You know? And it's so sinister, too. It's just so and it's such a brutal killing. Yeah. It'd be one thing if like she just like there was, you know, died of suffocation and that was it. And there wasn't all this blunt force trauma. Yeah. You know, it so would have been hard for Burke to like hit her that hard, too. I mean, he was only nine. Yeah. He would have had to like and like wail how on her. much of a mastermind could he have been to like. And honestly, if you hit somebody that hard with that 
with an object like that. I'm surprised there wasn't blood. Yeah. Like, seems like she got hit pretty hard. Yeah. But maybe the fact that she didn't get hit, you know, didn't, no blood was drawn. Yeah. Shows that it may have been a lighter touch or something, you know, a lighter hit. I mean, for me, I'm coming back to Santa Man. I I think Santa Man's (laughs) pretty, pretty suspicious. I mean, because Bill McReynolds, he was at the Ramsey's house two nights prior. So he would have known, probably had an idea of the layout of the house. Yeah. He probably would have known exactly where her room was. He could have even snuck around when he was there. Yeah. And the, the weird upset like that, honestly, I'm starting to think it really was him. I never believed the Santa Claus theory and like the, he's always denied it. But the, the weird stuff he said about like her ashes, like mix or his ashes mixing with the glitter and like taint, like loving her more than his own children. That's so weird. And the fact that John Bonet mentioned, um, you know, Santa said she was going to have a, whatever a special, special surprise. gift like that's yeah. creepy. Uh, and they even gave her a card of that. I mean, yeah. Oh, my God. It's so creepy, dude. It seems like he's clearly obsessed with her. And he knows the house. That's very almost true. sick level. I and mean, t- it would be easy to take her like, hey, it's me. He could Bill, have even been wearing his your buddy. He could have been wearing his fucking Santa suit. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, he could have Santa suit. He has white gloves. Wouldn't there have been more like footprints, though. I don't know. The Not whole necessarily. Thing is so weird. But we could wrap this up. He could sneak out of the chimney, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I'm going with Santa. I'm I'm going to say it was probably Santa because it seems like it had to have been somebody fairly close to the family that knew the house. I just don't I just don't see how a foreign faction, some rando. And maybe he would have known. That's how he would have known about the 818,000. Right. That would have known about that. You know, he could have been snooping around their house for all they know Very odd. when he was there. But um, we want to know what you guys think. So definitely leave us a comment or tweet us or whatever. Um, I mean, no one knows. So anything, you know, it's up for grabs. I hope it gets solved. I hope they figure it out. Oh, dude, you and everyone else. Like, it haunts my dreams. <laughs> this is one of those cases that just sticks with me. And I think about it all the time. Um, and it's so close to home. Too. Yeah, it's it really is. Such a big case. Um. But yeah, if you guys are enjoying the podcast, we'd appreciate you subscribing to the channel or or following us on whatever streaming service that you guys use. Um, want to remind them of anything else? Yeah, and please, again, rate and review if you have a minute. That really helps us out. We appreciate it. Yes. And hopefully you guys enjoyed the true crime episode today. Yeah, be sure to let us know what you guys Definitely think Definitely something different. That. Let us know. Give us some feedback on whether or not you like the true crime. and <laughs> True crime. <laughs> the true crime. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Because I like talking about it. I mean, I, I, I have a genuine interest in, you know, criminal justice. I actually have a tattoo on my, yeah. on my rib cage that says justice because here's a little <laughs> secret, but. I I originally wanted to go to college for criminal justice and I wanted to go into law enforcement and stuff because I was very interested in and kind of obsessed with crime solving, I guess. And I think, and honestly, I think I would have made a great detective because I, (laughs) I have the mind to figure this shit out. Mm. Put me on this case. I'll figure it out. (laughs) Okay. Um, But yeah, that's it for us today, guys. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Got to get my outro song here. Oh, wasn't there something else we needed to say? Oh, yeah. Patreon. Yeah, if you guys want to help support our channels and the podcast, be sure to check out our Patreon page. We've got new rewards, all kinds of cool stuff on there. 
it just helps us out because we're actually not making a single dime off the podcast yet. So they won't accept us for monetization on YouTube. It's the weirdest thing. We cannot get accepted even. Yeah, we applied and it's been over a month and we still haven't been uh, monetized for anything. Yeah, it's so. been a tough month on YouTube. Almost every single thing I've uploaded has been demonetized. So we really need patrons more than ever. If you're at all able to, um, there are really cool rewards. We have five different levels. Um, what do we got? What is it? The first one. Uh, we've got the private discord. We've got sneak peeks to but what's the, the, the name podcast. Of it? They're cute. I love the names we came up with. Oh, yeah. You should look it up. <laughs> but um, we have, yeah, we have the different tiers. Yeah, different levels. Everything from sneak peeks uh, to the podcast. Listening you can become to a it. curious cat for $2 per month. And it comes <laughs> with a bunch of other different little things. And we ordered stickers for... All kinds of cool stuff. So check that yep. out. We'll link everything My, below. You can be a mile higher homies, level two, truth seekers, <laughs> truth seekers, level three, woke AF is level four, and stellar supporter is level five. So just go ahead and check that out. If it's something you're interested in, go ahead and become a patron. But if not, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you loved that we did something different today. So be sure to let us know. But that's it for us today, guys. Be sure to take your mind a mile higher. Take it a mile higher and stay woke, my friends. Until next time, Mile High Podcast is out. Peace out, everybody. <laughs>